This is Included, the podcast. Conversations toward a greater understanding of the inclusive love of Jesus. Unpacking the mystery and wonder of the Word of God for those seeking an affirming, equitable Salvation Army for others. Thanks for joining. We invite you to take a posture of listening and exploring as we seek together the good news for the whosoever. Welcome to Included the Podcast. We are coming to the end of our second season. There's been some incredible conversations so far. And uh, if you haven't listened to all of them, take some time and go back. There's some great testimony stories. There's some incredible theological insights. There's people who are wrestling with what does inclusion and equity look like in other churches similar to the Salvation Army. And today we have a wonderful conversation with three fierce allies, incredible women from different contexts here in Australia and New Zealand. And I'm joined by one of them as we uh, prepare to kick off into this great chat. Christina Tyson, how are you doing? Good. Kia ora, Chris. Um, yeah, good to chat again. And hey. yeah, really looking forward to this conversation. You're um, becoming quite a regular on Included the Podcast now, Christina. I'll take a sabbatical. No, it's great. It's wonderful to have no, your voice good. and your input. Uh, and, yeah. and thanks for agreeing to sort of guide this conversation. Now we say guide it because there's no real kind of uh, host. This is not an interview. This really, uh, we're coming at this more as a conversation between the three of you incredible women. Yep. If we had a TARDIS and we could all leap in the TARDIS together, we'd be in a cafe somewhere having coffee, uh, <laughs> which I think all of us would really enjoy. Um but we can't do that. And so we're just going to, yeah, just going to do one of these virtual chats and get to know each other and hopefully offer up something that's useful to others as well. Um, so that would be good. Indeed. This uh, interview or conversation came about actually through one of our uh, included team members, B Cassie from here in Australia. B is a, a great woman. You might have seen her face and her voice in some of the yeah. other included work that we've done over the past couple of years. And B was really wanting to tap into uh, so, some of the insights and experience of incredible women who are, really have been pioneers along the way, who have been out at the front of this long before now, long before it was acceptable, although now sometimes feels Christina in some places we're going backwards a little bit. But uh, the three of you, so there's yourself, Deb Robinson, who's a core officer here in Australia and has also been involved in, in the training college, and Jenny Beegent who is uh, has spent her entire officership in social service but uh, and uh, and is now the uh, head of social mission here in Australia unfortunately B wasn't able to be part of the conversation today and so we've handed it over to the three of you I certainly didn't want to inject my voice we didn't want any mansplaining in this uh, conversation <laughs> with with three incredibly fierce ally women but uh, we, we're going to hand it over to to you and uh, see where the conversation goes Thanks, Chris. And can I just say thank you to you? We feel very safe in your hands and um, we know you're in the background and we love you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing it. We, at, at this episode of Included the Podcast, we won't have uh, a wrap up at the end. We're going to uh, allow the women to finish as the conversation does. But if you are looking for more information, please check out our website, www.includedpage.com. You can also uh, get in touch with us on Facebook, uh, Facebook forward slash included page. And if anything that comes up in the conversation uh, that leads you to want to have a conversation with someone or reach out for some support, please get in touch. And on the website, there is a contact us 
But and uh, of course, if you want to join and be a part of some of what's happening in this movement towards a fully inclusive and equitable Salvation Army, get in touch with us too. But for now, certainly enough for me. Uh, I'm going to hand over to you, Christina, and you'll guide us through this conversation with Jenny and Deb. Okay, um, so it's great to be in the virtual room today with Deborah and Jenny, who I'm going to get to introduce themselves in a moment. Um, I would say uh, because these two women are Australian, uh, I feel a great synergy as I'm married to an Australian. I have two Australian children, and so it's um, always lovely for me uh, to hear. We had 12 years in Australia, so I, I love to hear the twang. And probably for you, you're hearing a very weird fish and chips accent from me. So apologies for that. Uh, listeners, just apologies. Deborah has a toddler dog in the room. So if you hear squeaky toys or barking, uh, we do it in different time zones. You might hear the rattle of a rubbish bin. Uh, and this is the real world that we're living in. Uh, Jenny, we're really grateful that you're here in between two appointments, leaving one you love, going to something new, which is always um a Thank challenge you. and a joy and a wonder and a, all of that with all of that grief and stuff. So thank you for taking time out of that to, to share with us. Um, before we came on, uh, Chris said we're in the room as strong ally women. <laughs> and so we'll just see whether that uh, is probably not how any of us would represent ourselves. So Chris, thanks for that. Um, it's an honour and a privilege for us to be here. So um, my name is Christina. I'm a core officer in uh, Wellington in New Zealand, Aotearoa, New Zealand, uh, married to an Australian, Keith, uh, with um, three adult children, one cat, one dog, um, <laughs> who also likes squeaky toys. Uh, and I probably spent about... Um, this is my 14th year as a core officer, broken in the middle by some considerable period working in communications and then a couple of years as a candidate secretary and um, some other bits and pieces at DHQ. So that's where I'm coming from. Probably been an ally, I think, for, I looked at the other day, been a, probably an out there ally in inverted commas for um, probably close to 20 years. And so that's where I'm coming from. So um, we'll go around. We're going to go uh, on my screen. We're going to go to Jenny first. So. Oh, okay. All right, then. So let me introduce um, myself to you. I'm Jenny Beach, and I'm currently, my current appointment is the National Head of Social Mission and about to be within two days' time the Assistant Secretary for Mission for the Southern Territory. Uh, all of my officership has been spent in social services, so um, I have the distinction of being the longest serving social officer in the territory. <laughs> and I'm also a bit of a dinosaur because some um, social officers don't really exist these days. <laughs> um, very few people make a career in social services. Um, I've been an ally probably as long as Chris has for 20 years or more, quite a long time. Um, I grew up in a very liberal household. So there's a part of me, I think, that always thought that this wasn't a problem and what's the issue. Um, but I, did, I have gone on a journey to get to where I am now, which is a fairly strong and, and sometimes outspoken ally. Oh, that's great. Thank you, Jenny. Um, we'll unpack that a little bit more together shortly. Deborah. 
or do you prefer Hi. Deb? I, I've only met you today, so <laughs> look, I love Deborah or Deb. I'm okay. not a fan of I'm not a fan of Debbie. So I love Debbie's in my life, but I'm not a fan of being called Debbie. So I much prefer Deb or Deborah. Uh, yeah, so I'm uh, current. I'm a core officer as well. So in my, I've been an officer 27 years, and in the 27 years, it's either being core or education, training college or core. So um, I've, I'm currently at Perth Fortress Core in WA. Yeah, uh, married to Alwyn. Uh, got three adult kids, a son-in-law, and uh, a really old dog who's a bit senile now, a little bit blind and deaf and not quite all there. And I'm babysitting my daughter and son-in-law's two-year-old Labrador. So that could be interesting for us this morning. Um, look, I've been an out ally, not as long as you ladies, I think maybe 10 years. Uh, 10? <clears throat> I, I, I don't know. I, I, it's maybe I'm just a bit dumb or something. It's just naturally evolved for me. I, I don't know. A bit naive maybe. Anyway, yeah, I'd say 10 and probably in the last six, probably more outspoken and not scared to, um, yeah, to speak up in that space. Hmm. No, it's good. So um, we've got a number of questions that we've all agreed we feel <laughs> safe to answer today, uh, listeners. So we're going to go through those and we'll just sort of pass it around the room. Uh, so I'm going to start with Deb. So Deb, the question that we're all going to answer over the next few moments is, mm -hmm. how did you arrive at believing that sexual diversity is not a sin? So this is really about our theological journey and where we have as allies. Um, so do you want to, you're saying sort of around 10 years. So that's good because you can remember better than us. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, look, I can. Um, my, do you remember the Chick Yule video that we put up in the included? That is yep. my, that, I, look, just watch that, and that is my experience. It, it's the Wesleyan quadrilateral. I, I, look, you wouldn't call it that, and I wouldn't say I intentionally went into that, but looking back, that's exactly what happened. And it started very much with experience. Like, it's just started with I had gay relatives. And and can I, like, I'm not, can you correct me if I'm using the wrong language, terminology? I don't want to offend any of our LGBTIQ A plus community. So, but I just had, I had gay, gay cousin, he got married and my friends had some lovely gay friends and I just couldn't for the life of me believe that um, they were sinful, they were wicked, they were going to hell. So it start, it really started with that. How can a loving God you know, tell someone that they cannot experience intimacy and they must remain celibate for the rest of their life? And um, so that's where it started for me. And of course, that then went into reason, this whole, you know, how it can that possibly happen. And then, of course, looking at the tradition of the church evolving over time and changing our views on women in ministry, slavery, blah, blah, blah. The church is, I think we forget that the church and our beliefs have evolved. And for some reason, all of a sudden, we feel we need to stop evolving in yeah. what we believe. You know, it's this kind of, um, no, 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 we believe that then, we have to believe it now. So I think I just evolved in my understanding and and then the scriptures the clobber passages as we call them six or seven of them i did my own study and i did my own research and i just came to the conclusion i cannot in this day and age believe that it's a, a, a committed monogamous relationship be it heterosexual or not it's not wrong it's not wrong there's nothing wrong with it 
Um, so that's where I landed. And I didn't set out to prove anybody. I just, it was just my own journey. Um, so I'm very content in myself, as I'm sure you ladies are too, that, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with uh, sexually diverse people. So that's, that's where I landed. Yeah. For me. And, you know, and the one other thing I will say, um, people often say, oh, but the Bible says, the Bible says, when actually what they should be saying is, my Sunday school teacher told me the Bible says, my parents told me the Bible says, my, my, um, my theology lecturer, my, you know, university told me the Bible says. And I, you know, that was my story. So I took it upon myself to actually research, study <laughs> and yeah. find out. So I can actually say, this is what I believe the Bible says. And I don't believe it says anything in that way. Yeah, that's me. I don't know. Am I talking too much? I love no. this. Okay. So cut me off or give me a sign, ladies. Just do the Deb shut up sign. You know, I just could talk about this forever. But anyway, that's me. I just got to that point. Wesleyan quadrilateral wouldn't call it that. Nobody needs to know what that is. But it was just this journey of going through experience, reason, tradition, and the scriptures themselves. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. I love when you say, yeah, that's right. Who says that the Bible says? Who was the mediator in there for you? So, yeah, yeah Jenny, yeah. so how did you land where you landed? Um, so similar to Deb, but a bit earlier, I guess, I uh, have very good friends. Um, they've been friends for nearly 40 years who um, have been in a relationship. And at about the 20-year mark, they decided to get married. <laughs> and... Um, it was really quite painful because they knew I was an officer. They knew I could marry them and I actually couldn't. Mm -hmm. And um, that actually started me thinking quite seriously about why on earth can I not marry these two people mm. together in a monogamous relationship for a really long time and had stayed together despite heterosexual relationships all around me falling to pieces. Um, <laughs> And they were not able um, to have the church's blessing on or, or, and this notion that God wasn't going to bless their union, whereas it was clearly evident he had already because of mm. their commitment to each other and their obvious love for each other. So that started it for me. Um, a similar story to Deb, the Wesleyan quadrilateral um, really, it, it actually helps me unpack lots of things, not yeah. just... Um, um, not just uh, the sexual diverse question, um, but in this instance, there were also things that made me stop and go, well, you know, Jesus never talked about it, ever. Um, it, it wasn't something that he rattled his chain at all. Um, Paul occasionally forays, but I think Paul did that in the context in which he, in the times in which he lived, um, and Deb's absolutely right. We've been able to revise our take on women in ministry. Mm, and mm. certainly in this organisation, we have. Um, we've done the same around divorce. Um, and yet that is something Jesus goes to town about. Mm. Um, and the other thing that really coalesced up for me was this understanding. I remember being in a um, course at, at EVC, Deb, for some reason. Mm -hmm. And it had nothing to do with sexual diversity, um, but it was um, someone was talking about how uh, it was Genesis and being made in the image of God 
and that everything God created was good. Mm. And there was this little light bulb moment. Um, and I remember actually coming out of the class and ringing um, one of the friends of those that couple and saying, I just want to say, you're made in the image of God. Yeah, nice. God um, blesses you and you are good. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, Jen on the other end of the line was going, are you all right? Have you had any <laughs> drink? <laughs> um, but it was a real light bulb moment. You know, who am I to mm. decide that mm-hmm. someone's not in or not out? Um, mm. That's God's job. So that was my experience. Yeah. Mm. And Christine, we haven't heard your experience. So. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, so I was thinking I was thinking about it the other day, actually. I think the seeds of it came when we were in the training college, the old training college in 303 Royal Parade in Melbourne. And uh, it was the early 90s, we were sort of, I think we're 1992. Um, but in our first year there, uh, there was a staff member who was part of the kitchen staff who unfortunately um, became very unwell with AIDS, with HIV AIDS. And so there wasn't a lot known and there was a lot of fear. And I think even then there was that anxiety amongst the staff, oh, could we could we catch AIDS from him off the salad or something? You know, it was that sort of thing. Like you just, you just didn't know. And so, um, but he was a lovely young man and everyone was very friendly to him. And then he got, you know, obviously terribly ill. And so my husband is quite, um, you know, probably more caring and pastoral than I am. And there was another cadet there and we thought, well, we'll go and visit him. And there was the hospital you went to if you had AIDS in Victoria, (laughs) Melbourne. I don't remember where it was. Um, but it really was where people were put then. Um, And so we went on this one visit to go and see this young man who was very unwell. And I think that was just the start of a, maybe that was a planted seed where I'm sort of going, actually, this is terrible what's happened to him. And at the time, the church was all that awful rhetoric about the judgment of God and this, you know, and all of this and AIDS, it was just horrible. And that didn't sit with me and then I suppose some years later there was you know we had family members who or member who was my son my brother-in-law who's gay who came out who was a Salvation Army envoy at the time and with children so that ended his marriage and um, retired officer parents now um, you know having to sort of wrestle through what did we think about that you know we love uh, we love Ross. We've always loved Ross. He did his best not to be gay and uh, and all the things that you were supposed to do, but clearly is. And uh, so that brought it closer to home as well. And then I guess over recent years, it's been just meeting more and more gay Christians. And I, again, I feel the same way. I'm going to say gay and that might not be the mm, yeah. term, but who are really committed, um, wonderful Christian disciples who just happen to not be heterosexual and uh so some of that so I suppose also I've always had a strong sense of justice um the core I grew up on you know we used to put banners on the back of the Salvation Army Corps with pithy words of wisdom Um, (laughs) at our core it had uh, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only and so I think for me there was always drilled into me that idea that you couldn't just listen to the scripture you had to live it out Uh, so for me that meant probably a social justice 
thing. Yeah. My high school uh, was not a Christian high school, but we had a verse of scripture that we would say in assembly. And it was from Micah 6, 8. And so they'd say mm-hmm. the prayer and our response in the liturgy, which is amazing in a secular school was, may we, O oh Lord, do justly. And so in my high school years, every week, we would in assembly say, oh, may pray that prayer. Oh, may we, O oh Lord, do justly. Um, and so I think that's where my activism and my allyship is rooted in the sense of justice um, and mercy. And ultimately, I think now I just feel a real liberation that I don't own God's story. Yeah. So it, is not, so it is not mine to police. Yes. Um, I'm writing that down. Yeah. So we're really called to be peacemakers on God's behalf following Jesus's example and so for so long the church built barriers now I say see that the church has to be a bridge builder and so but also what you said really resonated with me about doing your own research because that was also the thing I only what I believed was just what I'd been told I believed yeah and um, to, to dig into that and go oh Sodom and Gomorrah didn't mean that yeah yeah you know, so I think that, and and more recently, it's probably just going. I, I don't feel a calling to be a gatekeeper or a bouncer. Um, yeah. And as an officer, that's a huge liberation because I think early on you really did feel maybe you inherently saw yourself as the people who had to safeguard the treasure. Yeah, it was the gospel as it was understood at a point in time, and uh, yeah. So, how, Christina, how do you continue to advocate while respectfully ministering in a conservative context? Uh, what does it look like to take a conservative person on this journey? Um, so, I thought a little bit about this question because I realised that the core that I'm at. We um, we wear our rainbow badges, and we've got some some of us, and we've got uh, gay and transgender people, lesbian people who are part of our congregation or who come to our social services here um, on site, and so we've got some um, welcoming signs up and things that just talk about you know being respectful and all people being welcome. So I actually in this in this space it hasn't really been an issue. Um, I. And that pre, you know, some of the signage of that predated us coming in as core officers. So in this space, I haven't had to wrestle with it as much, but probably most of my experience around this has been taking sort of very serious um, senior Salvation Army leaders on journeys. So when I used to work in communications, um, then it was positioning myself probably gently but assertively is how I would put it you know gently and assertively and maybe that is a challenge for women because I do feel that's hard um people love gentle women and and they they don't really like assertive women and it is hard I know that's not what we're talking about here but assertive women are, are sometimes pushy bossy aggressive woman and if we were male it would be taken as like that's cool you're doing your job but if you're a female you almost have to apologize um but that is what I've found that you have to sort of be gentle but assertive and sometimes choose your battles and step back um 
and so for me uh, it's it, it's probably I think back to 2017 and I presented a paper called Rejecting Rejection at a Thought Matters seminar at our training college in an evening and after that I remember a, a leader from a local church wanted to meet with me for coffee to discuss it and it wasn't an easy meeting um, and he wrote a rebuttal for his own sort of uh, echo chamber um, and and recently I did a video interview with someone who was very conservative and who didn't at all agree or see the world the way I did. But I do think that's one of the things that we have to be willing to do is to actually come along and listen. Um, so my husband around that interview said, oh, you shouldn't do it, you shouldn't have done it, you know, all of that sort of stuff. But actually, if we if we hold a view, we have to be willing to enter into, into dialogue. Mm -hmm. And, and that is still the tension for me because I do think in terms of equity, um, LGBTQI people have not had equity. And this is the thing that I still find difficult is wanting to um, advocate respectfully, but also recognizing that actually we have, uh, as hetero people, um, have a lot of the power and so there is, again, it comes back to that justice. So how do you allow people to be safe and not bullied? And we have a duty of care. Um, and I'm not sure about that. So on one point, there's a guy, Chris Marshall, who writes a lot about justice from a Christian perspective in this country. And he said, uh, exclusivism is the besetting sin exclusivism is the besetting sin of religious conservatives and I easily say amen to that you see mm -hmm. but then he said smugness is the besetting <laughs> sin of religious liberals and so sometimes I sit in that space where I know that I'm just feeling smug and pious mm -hmm. and right so I'm still not sure how to do this but in that, I also have that tension of recognizing that a lot of other people have been quite sinned against and have very little equity. Um, and so this is actually a serious issue. And it's not just about us going, oh, here's a nice idea. If you want to barrack for my football team, you can. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. So, <laughs> so, you know, because it really does matter at the end of the day. So yeah. I'm still... What do you guys think? Um, yeah. Deb, how do you, Deb, how do you mm -hmm. handle that? Because uh, what does it look yeah. like? Yeah, okay. Um, so, so I'm, I'm at Perth Fortress Core and we are just loving, we love our appointments and, and we, we love our people. And we are not even, we're not even on this journey at all. And um, one, because... It, something happened prior to us arriving in this space that perhaps wasn't handled well or done well. And so it's take, it's going to take the core a long time to recover and move on from that. Caused a lot of tension, a lot of people left. Um, so when we came in, we, we, and then COVID struck. So we just, yeah. So we've, uh, pastored and, and loved our congregation. For me, in the public arena, until, and this is something I'll talk about a little bit later, until the Salvation Army leadership are publicly driving 
and endorsing. I won't use the mantle of officership um, to push or drive it from the platform myself. Does that make sense, ladies? Yeah, so yeah. I'm representing an organisation that perhaps I privately do not agree with in this space. And so I just, I won't go there. I'm not going to go, I'm a bit like you, Christina, I'm a bit of an activist. So the, the Army is very clear on its position on Indigenous rights and our RAP, are very clear on refugee and asylum seeker, very clear on um, sex trafficking, and we have positions, and I will champion that from the platform and I will acknowledge and speak that. But until our, we are out of the closet <laughs> mm. from a, an organisation in, in having this conversation openly and freely and inviting that conversation, I won't go there. I just won't. Because um, I don't believe it's right for me to do that. And that's just me personally speaking. I'm not saying it's not right for other officers. But for me, it's not my place. I'm the core officer at Perth Fortress. We're not on that journey yet. Yeah. Um, and I'm okay with that. I'm not going to force the core in that journey. And um, until leadership are endorsing it and driving it, I'm not going to. Here's the other side of it, though. I want to be an ally that encourages curiosity, not resistance. And sometimes as allies, we I can become, I'm not aggressive, but I don't want to be in such a way that I challenge that causes the people who are resistant to become more resistant. I want to be an ally that causes those that are resistant to become curious. And so I speak the most when I'm invited. So when I'm invited to do a podcast like this, when somebody in my congregation who is aware of my private profile um, will come up to me and ask, Deb, can I talk to you about that? I'm like, oh, yes, please. You know? So, And I invite the conservative into the office, into my space, and we have the conversation. And I want to have the conversation, as I said, in a way that increases curiosity, not resistance. Uh, so I think that's how I'm taking this journey. I'm um, I struggle with the tension of being uh, an officer that represents something that perhaps I don't personally agree. I just wish we would get to that point where we're having an open conversation about it, you know. Yeah. Um, so I won't, I won't take that journey publicly as an officer with my congregation. Um, but privately, if I'm invited into that space, goodness me, I can't keep quiet. <laughs> so I <laughs> talk a lot. But yes. I want to encourage curiosity, not resistance. I don't want to be an ally that causes uh, conservative people to be more resistant and more mm. anti. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Jenny? Um, well, I guess I didn't realise just how conservative we are as an organisation until we started down the rainbow tick. <laughs> oh. Um, um, so, it, which is quite a while ago now, 2016, I think, or even 15, we um, started to consider the rainbow tick in Victoria as a social mission um, response because it came, it was a recommendation of the Royal Commission into Family Violence. And there was certainly word around government that they were going to mandate it. So we thought we would give it a go and see whether we could get over the line um, in an accreditation sense. Um, and that started an internal conversation for me that actually still hasn't finished. Mm. <laughs> um, and I guess I was a bit surprised at, at how conservative we were because um, I've always 
considered the Salvation Army the army of the whosoever. It didn't matter who you were or where you came from, what had been your life story, you were included. And it was a bit of a shock to realise that that was not the case. So that began a very long journey for me of trying to change the perception, particularly of senior leadership, because it was going to affect in um, the bringing together of two territories, um, a national approach to an inclusive framework mm -hmm. of service delivery. Um, to say we're not there yet is um, an understatement. Uh, in the cons we also encountered some pretty robust feedback and some of it wasn't nice. It was quite difficult to maintain grace mm -hmm. in some of those spaces. Pushback mm -hmm. was quite awful. Having said that though, I discovered unlikely allies um, mm -hmm. I'm going to mention one today um, because in the last three years it, it's been fairly rough and the appointment of um, the first ever in the Army world um, LGBT coordinator um, for our services caused some grief for people and I do acknowledge that for mm -hmm. some Conservatives it is grief. There is kind of, uh, some kind of loss going on for people um, who don't hold to a more broad approach to the gospel, I guess. Um, but Winston Merritt, the Chief Secretary, has been an absolute stoic throughout mm. all of this. Um, she stood alongside us, she stood in front of us, and she stood behind us. So Lovely. I want to call that out. I'm yeah. not um, at all... Um, Okay, with um, what wins some things privately, but publicly she's been a staunch defender and I'm really grateful for that. Mm, mm. Um, like Deb, I always try to go into the conversation um, when I'm asked. I say, let's sit down and let me tell you where I'm coming from, why I think this. Mm. We've had some movement um, and I think we're getting closer and closer um, my general posture is, particularly with people who can be aggressive in their conservativeness, is to maintain, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so I would kind of behave like, this is a done deal. I don't understand. <laughs> it doesn't always work, but sometimes it does because it, for some people it's, it triggers the, I wonder why she thinks that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then we can have the conversation. Um, I think, too, the other thing that strikes me is that I, it is important for those of us who, who are allies and who really do stand in the gap between both sides, trying to bring each side together. Um, I've met a lot of LGBTIQ um, community who are very angry with the church and sometimes rightly so, mm. sometimes unreasonably so, mm. um, but the anger is theirs and they don't want anything to do with it. So you're caught between bringing the Liberals and the Conservatives on the same journey pretty much mm. Mm. Um, to mm. understand each other. And the thing that has always struck me is that if we continue to love and to be gracious in the space, I think that's where you get movement. You don't get movement with being angry or with pointing out that, you know, the scripture's wrong or um, mm -hmm. being in people's faces. Um, my experience is that to 
even get con a conservative approach to going, okay, I'll live and let live to get them to that space, um, which is only a step away from being open and inclusive. Um, it's love and grace has to occur mm. from the allies all the time. Yeah. Um, and there are times when I lose my love and grace actually <laughs> frequently, but I try to do it privately yeah. and I throw things at the television privately um, <laughs> and, and tr just try um, to always be gracious in my response because I really mm -hmm. think that's the only thing that moves people is because I also don't want them to say, well, she said and mm -hmm. the way she behaved was appalling. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be accused of appalling behaviour. I'm often accused of um, being a pain in the neck, but I'm okay to be a pain in the neck. <laughs> I think um, with Christina, the justice of the environment is critical um, mm -hmm. for me. It ha has to be. And um, I even um, try to get people to move away from inclusion because inclusion kind of feels like we're still in charge of the gate. So yeah. you can come in or you can't come in kind of. Mm -hmm. I'd like us at some point to get to, to equity, that, mm. that we're all equal um, and that in front of God there is no status, no in, no out. And mm. that's, um, as Deb said, that's God's story, not my story. My mm. story is to be him in the world as much as I can be. Mm. Mm. I've got a question. Okay. okay. Yes. <laughs> um, my question, um, because I'm interested, because it's happened to me a few times, is how do you manage it when conservative people choose not to change or even to shift a little bit? How do you continue to manage the negative behaviours and to keep um, gender and sexually diverse people who choose to stay in an organisation that seemingly rejects them um, safe? How do we do that um, and do it well? First off, I'm not entirely sure that we do. Yeah. Um, and I don't really know because I'm not the person most in intimately affected. So I guess we attempt and we try, but I don't actually know. So, and I suppose this takes us to the real challenge around this for the Salvation Army is that when we discuss this internationally and locally, we tend to do it with the, without the most important people in the room. Um, and so we actually don't know and it's almost as if we're trying to co-design a future, but we're not co-designing. We're off, again, designing and then going to um, gay, lesbian, um, intersex, transgender people and saying, here's what we have to offer you and disrespecting them to have <clears throat> in the discussion. So that uh, grieves me hugely. And it's also really dumb. Like, why would you... Why would you do that? We get annoyed when government does that, where they come along and say, here's the new roading system, and the locals go, <laughs> I know. you know, why don't you come yeah. and ask us, you know? So, yeah. so yeah. We're, really, we're really bad at consultation and collaboration and co-design, and, and that because it's slow. But also I think a lot of it is that there is so much fear and anxiety around this issue for the church. And as you said, Jenny, people are grieving and there is genuine grief. Um, 
and sometimes that leads us leads us to that sort of circle the wagons mentality you know guarding yeah. guarding the shifting Christendom you know as if it's so precious and it, it will be taken from us if we don't you know circle the rat wagons and protect it so that is anxiety and fear for something that that conservatives that we all love that we all love and know you know so for me the 1970s were not a safe time for someone to be gay but for me it was a lovely safe time for me as a Christian person in the church um, there were people in our youth group or in my circle of friends then who were gay but I didn't know um, and at least one of those has suicided but I didn't know and I felt very lovely and secure and and all of that in the church and whereas now there's probably more anxiety and um, so I think working with conservatives in that space who don't want to change, we need to realise that not everyone will change. You know, some people will never go and buy the smart TV. And, and some people are early adopters. And um, so we won't get everyone on the same page. And people do need reassurance, though, that the world isn't going to end if we mm -hmm. do change. You know, Jesus talked about new wineskins and people will know us by our love and not by mm -hmm. our bigotry. Um, and so I think that's I, the main thing I think is trying to uh, live like you say with kindness and mercy um, I think also being willing to explain the same key, this is my comms background but the same key message again and again um, in simple terms and to remind people that this is about people and not just labels that it's real people with feelings and experiences um, and people made in God's image so in this country, uh, in terms of indigenous rights, we've we're, we've got the tensions between um, bicultural and multicultural. And when we returned from Australia, where bi where multicultural was a very dominant value in mm -hmm. society, and we came back to New Zealand with um, Tangata Whenua or people of the land Maori, um, and a bicultural relationship. So Maori and everyone who is not Maori. It was very difficult for me coming from Australia going, well, isn't multicultural best? Isn't it better to have respect all cultures? And so then a Maori person gave me the advice and said, no, 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 you need to remember everybody else has land to go back to. You know, obviously it's more problematic if you're a refugee, um, mm. but you have land you can go back to. But Maori, this is this is their place. This is their standing place. This is all they have. Same for Aboriginal Australians, you know, and Indigenous people anywhere. This this is why these people's rights come above the person who immigrated from Greece or you know or Australia or anywhere else. And so that was a really simple message. And so often I find when I when I find people who may be racist or bigoted, I'm just saying that same message. Remember, they have nowhere else to go to. This is their land. And mm. so I think when working with conservative people around inclusion or around um, challenging homophobia, it's that same thing. People are made in God's image. God does not make mistakes. Um, mm -hmm. These people have um, equal access to God, equal expression of God, and one of the things I do have to remind people of is that we are, when we say that we will be inclusive, we are not saying that promiscuity is okay or that it's mm -hmm. right to live. Particular, and people seem to think that that's what you're saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and one of the reasons that it appears that way is because actually as a church, we're not allowing people to be couples, um, same-sex couples, and we're not allowing them to be married with the church's blessing. 
And mm-hmm. so how do you feel then you feel that you might be a promiscuous or a, or a immoral person? So if we made a, a safer, more um, respectful and more honoring space for people, uh, then we wouldn't have that perception by conservatives that this is immoral or promiscuity, mm-hmm. um, you know, so that, that's where I sort of, I think, fit mm-hmm. that as well, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely understand. Deb, yeah. what about you? Yeah, so, so as, as I said, so me, my current appointment, we're not on that journey. So, so firstly, if somebody is asking, do I know a safe place to go? I don't necessarily encourage them to come to Perth Fortress if they're in the LGBTI space because we're not on that journey. Yeah. Um, and, and so I encourage them, you know, to find a place that is already on that journey and probably, you know, a much safer space. But in saying that, um, who's to say there's not um, people who identify as LGBTIQ in my congregation who have just simply not shared that or come out? Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's quite likely that's possible. So it's important for me that I model um, language that is respectful, that I challenge any dialogue that is disrespectful to that community. That I So for me, that's how I am in, in that space. I, I encourage people to go elsewhere if they want to find a church, but there could well be people in our congregation who are uh, gay or whatever. Um, so I must model respectful dialogue and I challenge it if there's any, you know, jokes or anything that's inappropriate. Yeah. Uh, I knock it on the head and I challenge that. So I just try to ensure the space is somewhat safe and respectful. And here's the thing, the congregation is loving and caring and generally yes. speaking, they are. Yes. Yeah. loving and caring and respectful and um indeed embracing um but i'm just not 100 percent sure of that i can't say for certain that it is entirely safe um yeah, yeah. so i don't yeah that, that's my experience at fortress anyway yeah I, I, it's my experience too deb i think mm-hmm. the important thing is is to model the behavior mm-hmm. it's um, it is easier in a social mission context than it mm. is in a church context. Mm. I have employees, so I can actually say that behaviour is not tolerated. Yeah. Um, and we can, you know, provide a performance management approach to managing mm-hmm. how people mm-hmm. behave in the workplace. But in the church, it is different. And my experience, by and large, is that churches are warm and welcoming. Mm. And Definitely. Yeah. Um, and wanting to, you know, support people um, yeah. as they come through the door. Yeah. It is about modelling it. And it is about um, pulling people up and saying, that's not great. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And not doing that publicly either because that tends to make people mm-hmm. yeah. pulling them aside and yeah. saying, um, and being brave enough to say, yeah, what you said could have been really hurtful. And mm-hmm. more often than not, people are horrified that they've hurt someone with their flipping comments. I know. True. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's a tough one to do because um, you're trying always, always to have everyone feel welcome. Um, and Christine is right about how we manage the Indigenous people in our congregations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Salvation mm-hmm. Army in Australia is enormously white Anglo-Saxon, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. We're not terribly diverse. And so I think we don't struggle with 
people who are diverse, but we struggle with how to be with them and how mm -hmm. not to hurt them. And I think that's a good trait that we can kind of yeah. trade on to help people be aware of their behaviours and their language around mm. um, everyone. You know, we're all diverse. I think, you know, the three of us are fairly diverse and yep. people <laughs> probably agree with that. So... <laughs> Um, being gracious yeah. and kind always, I think, is the way to create those environments. Mm. Mm. Jenny, yeah. what, what more could or should we allies be doing to support people who are gender or sexually diverse oh, or, or the push towards a more inclusive and equitable TSA? What, yeah. do we, what, what, what should we be doing? Oh gosh, I think we should. Um, I hate. I hate the shoulds. I have to say. Oh, I know. I, really, I know. I really do. Let's just stick with the could. Yeah. Could. yeah. What could we be doing? I think we could educate and inform a whole lot better than we have. Mm. When I look back mm. at our rainbow journey, the really important missing piece for me was how well we educated, not mm -hmm. just the leadership, mm -hmm. but our own teams, the local core to the social centre. Um, a bit more education and a bit more theological education around yes. what, you know, the Bible actually says about this stuff um, and um, certainly around the clobber verses, which yeah. are almost always taken out of context mm -hmm. um, and don't, not ever unpacked within, you know, the context and the wider passage of which they're there. Mm. I do think, though, if we're the Salvation Army of the Whosoever, then it's time we actually believe that and acted on it. Mm -hmm. I, um, I said earlier that I behave as if it's a done deal. I think mm -hmm. it needs to be. Um, we're all made in the image of God. There's no question around our um, equity. But that's the way it is. And I think it is about how you manage people in the grief of losing something they think might be precious to them. Yeah. Um, but the other side of that is what we will gain from it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Inclusion actually will give us um, when we allow all of God's people to participate in the kingdom of God like, yeah. and let them be fully who they are in that space. Mm. We see ourselves flourish when we actually know and acknowledge that God finds worth in us. Mm. Um, we need to be able to, to do that as an, an organisation for everyone. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm always going to be a squeaky wheel. That's yeah. my contribution. <laughs> <laughs> um, You're not alone. You're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. What about you, Christina? What can we, what can we be doing? I, I look, I, I think maybe being a squeaky wheel is a spiritual gift that just <laughs> in the original translation got got That's lost. <laughs> a, bit, a bit like the spiritual gift of nagging or I don't know. Um, I don't know. Look, I, I am not sure that we're doing enough in our setting here to support people. As I say, I just don't know that we check in. There isn't a feedback loop and maybe there needs to be one not just for um, yeah, for all sorts of inclusion, you know. Yeah. So I'm excited that the Salvation Army does seem to be on a journey and the umbrella of inclusion around uh, things such as disability as well and yeah. um, gender and all of that, I think allows us 
if we're going to be committed to the inclusive journey around everybody and every type of barrier that keeps people um, out, then we cannot do that with integrity unless we're also looking at the rainbow spaces as well. And so that probably gives us a really good opportunity um, to, to look at all of that. And so I think that might mean that for us, we need to really be strong supporters of other aspects of inclusion and diversity mm -hmm. and, and not only the one that means the most to us because yeah. then yeah. if one wins, everyone wins. Yes. Um, and so that, that might mean that we're reminding people, hey, that's really great that we're thinking about, um, you know, wheelchair access and this access, and we're thinking about how are our church services for people who are neurodiverse, um, you know, what's our employment like for people who are neurodiverse, what's the, what's the wage gap for women, you know, all of those things, and then that yes. allows us to continue to have that, so strategically, mm -hmm. um, it allows us to broaden the conversation and to raise issues um, around unconscious bias and yeah. those sorts of things. And so as we do that, it is the education, as we do that, people will then have their own little aha moments because they'll go, oh, I wonder now how that person at church whose son is gay, who I never have the conversations with because I don't know what to say, maybe they feel hurt by that. Maybe, mm -hmm. they, maybe they perceive my silence as judgment or as not hearing but but now that I've been to that Salvation Army unconscious bias training I'm going oh my gosh mm. maybe I can have I've now got some tools to have a different conversation so I think that's mm -hmm. one of the areas we could do more in um, mm. mm -hmm. so I'm trying to be glass half full but sometimes I feel very glass half empty when mm -hmm. When lead, and I, I know it's hard for an, an international organization. I know it's difficult um, and fraught. But I get really annoyed when people say, oh, well, you know, leadership say that they're getting just as many people saying that they want to stay the same as wanting to change. And you go, yes, but that's because you're hearing from the vocal minority. Yes. And so that really yeah. frustrates me. I do think it is, we need as a Salvation Army, I think, to return to our identity, that, that whosoever, why we exist at all and why we were created. Because the, the, no, the Salvation Army is not just a social service provider and we are not just a church. We are that amazing, glorious, beautiful, transformative marriage of the yes. two. Yes. Um, and that didn't, come because more social services were needed uh, it, it came because we you know our, our pioneers had a heart for the people who were on the edges yeah so who is on the edges today and I I think in some of our decision making now it's like oh why do we exist oh that's right that's why we exist for that we exist for those people who are left behind and lost and pushed to the edges whoever that might be it might be a very rich senior citizen who has whose family have all gone overseas and who is incredibly isolated and lonely. That is our person, that is our whosoever. But so too is the gay person who works in our addiction centre whose family have cut him off hmm. their Pentecostal church because he is gay and they cannot accept him and mm -hmm. who finds a home with the Salvation Army, even when his gay friends are saying, why can you go, how come you're going to the Salvation Army? They're awful to us. 
so those are again if we know who we are and why we're here that we exist for others and we exist for the whosoever um, that we're not a consumer church we're a serving church uh, then I think that will help us to to really push for a more equitable Salvation Army. When I feel mm-hmm. like I'm not doing enough, um, this year I got a, this week I got a, a message from um, someone on social media who I friended ten years ago and who comes from a very conservative country. And this person just said, "Thank you very much. You have really helped me to become someone who is not um, afraid of." Uh, being an inclusive person and I wouldn't Mm. have even thought that Mm. and who says I can talk about some of these things publicly but other things are criminal where my where I come from and I can't and so that's again we we have to use our voice where others can't Um, and sometimes that gentle voice on it even just you know sharing stuff when it's the right day annually you know and we put up something on our Facebook page mm, 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 is is yeah. a step so. yeah. yeah 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 good I think for me if I can jump in there with this yeah, one please do Je- Jenny you mentioned the theological discussion I, I do think the the area that we need to re- really discuss is the theology because any time we invite a conversation into this space about inviting, there'll be the one camp that always believes it's a sin. So we're happy to invite you into the space, but we need to save you. We need to get, you know, yes. save you from your sin. Yes. Uh, so, so, so nothing can really flourish conversation wise if we're inviting people into a conversation till we have resolved this issue if it's a sin or not. Yeah. And so I think theological discussion really matters. Now, in 2016, um, I was just naive. I don't know. I ran a homosexuality forum at the college in Sydney. <laughs> but, uh, Chris, Chris was there. <laughs> Honestly, I had the, the backing of the principal at the time, which was amazing. Yeah. Uh, he was really supportive. I had Chris Halliday there. He, I flew him in. He was in the Northern Territory. I had uh, officers whose child was gay. You know, Paul Moles was there. Yeah, at the time, but he was not um, out at that at that point, and no, none of us had any idea. Um, and I had an officer present on the, the on the on the club of passages, and look, it was ahead of my time. It caused a few issues with some cadets who just were quite conservative and probably shouldn't have been in that room. It was just too too hard too much to take and yeah. I shouldn't I, I'd do it differently today yeah. um but we we need to have those discussions we need to be wrestling yeah. with the scriptures and because I think once people get to the point where they think was I'm not actually sure if it is sinful to be in a same-sex monogamous relationship mm. I'm not sure then they can have greater yeah. conversations but yeah. so long as the starting point is it's a sin I'm all to be included and they're welcome, but we need to change them or save them. We're not going to go anywhere. No. So I think for us, for me, we could do more in that space. We could be doing, doing more in the unpacking the clobber passages and helping people, not making people see it's not a sin because some people might just can still study and resolve to the fact that it is a sin. Yep. And that, you know, I'm, we, we just need to leave that. Um, but I think people need to be given the opportunity. And I, I really think that's 
important. And mm. I just, I'm agreed. Let's keep being a squeaky wheel. Let's just keep pushing at a leadership level. Let's just keep being the squeaky wheel. And I don't know if you've read the book by Julia Baird called Phosphorescence. Have you read that book? Yes, I have. Chapter six is called The Activist Attic. And basically, if there's any allies listening to us today, what I want to say is a day may come where this is no longer an issue, where like when same-sex marriage became a thing in Australia, everybody cheered and the faces that were driving it of the day got the recognition and it was wonderful. But for years and years and years, people like us behind the scenes have been championing and pushing and squeaking. <laughs> let's, let's just keep doing it. And we may not realise the promised land in our time, nice. but hopefully yeah. it will happen. And we are all part of that activist attic. We are all part of the, the journey towards equity and inclusion. So I think we can do, we just keep pushing, keep squeaking. We need to have the theological conversation. Yes. Um, in a safe place. Mm. Um, yep, that would be my response to that. That's very good. Um, so I think we're gonna we're gonna sort of head towards our ending now, and we're mm -hmm. gonna end with joy because there's mm -hmm. not a lot. There's not always joy in um, in advocacy. It can mm -hmm. it can be heartbreaking at times. So I suppose mm -hmm. um, starting with you, Jenny, where have you found the joy in ministry? in all of this? Um, well, I found joy just then. Um, Deb got me so excited I wanted to grab the placard and get out on the street <laughs> immediately. Um, so there was, there's joy in the allies um, mm. as well as um, in the LGBTIQ community who, despite some terrible setbacks, continue to belong. Um, I keep coming across people like Bea and Chris and Paul, who, despite the opposition, continue to serve God in, a, in mm -hmm. sometimes a place where a lot of people don't want them. I find joy in that. I just think yeah. this is the most amazing thing, that people can continue to serve God in spaces where they're not wanted. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's why I'm an ally. Yeah. That's good. Deb? Where we found, um, Alwyn and I went to our first Pride March last year here in Perth. We were so nervous because I'm such a good girl and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get the sack. I'm going to be in big trouble. Uh, look, there was a couple in our congregation that were quite, um, um, not traumatised, but it, when they found out, and, but praise God, they actually rang me and had a conversation with me. So that was really lovely of them. But it did really... Um, bother them that their officer was in that pride march but I really appreciate the respectful way they challenged me on that yeah. um, but there was so much joy in that parade because we marched with heaps of other Christians and I think I'm finding the joy in those other not that I'm not finding joy in the army but the other denominations that are just out there with their uniting church banner or their Anglican yes. banner here in here in WA the Anglicans are leading the way as well here you know so I'm like that was so joyful just being in that parade with all these Christians and gorgeous Christian same-sex couples who have been in the church for years and once again I'm like how can we possibly say this is wrong I just like this is not wrong how can it be wrong um, but yeah, we had the best time in the parade. I was waving at everybody and cheering. And 
We used to have, we have a, we have a cafe at Perth Fortress and our, our first paid manager, his name was Miles and he's gay. And uh, he was fabulous. He's since gone on to bigger things. Anyway, I'm in this pride march. I hear my name being yelled out and there's Miles in the crowd watching. And I just, at that moment, I just, it felt great to be an ally for Miles. It felt great to be there with my Salvation Army shield, you know, jumper on saying, I'm with you on this one, you know. Um, So yeah, I loved it. I can't wait for the next one. Mm. Yeah, what about you, Christina? Um, I think it's really funny, this word joy. So my key word is the joy of the Lord is your strength is probably my key Bible verse. And uh-huh. I, I don't always look joyous because I know that people will say to me, oh, are you all right? You look tired, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I feel like I don't really carry that joy always visibly. But when we were going to college in Australia, I remember the recruitment campaign in the year that we were heading in was Experience the Joy. Um, and it had a, a commercial, the poster looked like a woman's sanitary ad yeah. poster because it had someone, I think, running on a beach. Or That's how I remember it in my head. It was somewhat bizarre and um, it was all about joy. And I and there is a lot of joy in officership and this difficult space has probably been one of the ones where I have found unexpected joy. Mm. Um, And I think, like you say, it's come from both the solidarity of being with other allies and Mm. and members of the rainbow community, which is incredibly diverse in itself. So Mm. that unity and diversity and solidarity has been really joyous for me. And I think that's why you do it as an ally, despite um, the hardship and sometimes the distraction from your role. Um, as well you know so it's a privilege I think also seeing parents have safe spaces to speak about their children and to know that they can do they can share that load without judgment um, is a real a real joy that they can speak without fear um, and prejudice and the greatest joy is just seeing people when they come out feel safe Uh, when I know that a decade or two decades ago, it, it would have been so, so different. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. that I think is what sort of spurs me um, going on really is that joy. And I'm reading, yeah. I'm rereading just my most recent wonderful gentle book is the one by the Reverend David Runcorn in the UK called Love Means Love. And it's a, a wonderful book. And he has a chapter towards, it's very good for people who are just going, I'm sort of on the fence about this. And you want to give them a book that's not angry, but that is also very persuasive and very well written and you know, great on everything from clobber verses to celibacy. Uh, but here's a chapter towards the end on good fruit. And he suggests the marks of a community that enable good fruit to grow and flourish are the places where people know themselves to be loved, accepted and listened to on their journey with Christ. To be loved, accepted and listened to on their journey with Christ. And then he lists a whole lot of marks of what that sort of community and reality looks like. And I think that's where the joy is when you're part of a community, whether it's a social service one, whether it's a core one, um, and increasingly those are the same. You know, mm-hmm. those are one mm-hmm. community um, where you find that people are loved and accepted and listened to. That is the joy of ministry. 
mm-hmm. that's the joy of officership is the privilege of having those sorts of places open to you and your daily work um, so easily because you know we don't have to find another job somewhere and squeeze mm-hmm. that and we get to do it full time yeah. and so it's just that thing for me <clears throat> for me that is that is the joy is the relational stuff the solidarity and then just people being open to God as them yeah. is, is just joyous. So that's the other thing, you know. I want I want to be the person because I am an activist. It's not just about LGBTI for me. It is about Indigenous rights. It is about women's rights. I'm, I've protested outside politicians' office because our policies for asylum seekers and refugees was appalling I've been on the marches in Sydney you know it's just it's who I am but I want to be able to say my kids to be able to say my mum spoke up my mum challenged my mum did something about it yeah you know and I I just I just want to be somebody that people say well at least I know Deb Robinson went on that march Deb Robinson wrote the email Deborah Robinson put herself out there yeah I just for me is important as an ally yeah that's that's good that's like that sort of not on my watch type of not on my watch watch. yeah today yeah Yeah. Jenny Jenny is that how you feel as well Uh, absolutely it's kind of like you know the the waves hitting the cliffs at some point, the cliffs will be gone because yeah. they keep pounding mm-hmm. away. And I think yeah. if the cause is right and just, then mm-hmm. we just have to keep pounding away. And Deb's right. It's not about who the face of it is. No. It's about the end result. And yeah. Just keep, just keep yeah. going one foot in front of the other. There'll yeah. be a couple, yeah. you know, it won't be easy, but um, yeah. there's actually joy in knowing that um that a god's got it nowhere mm-hmm. in the bible does he exclude any of us and so um that's our job we're not going to exclude anybody either yeah yeah, yeah. That, that's a good news story really mm-hmm. yes okay it's been a it's been an amazing conversation really hope that's been helpful to you and sure actually that it will have been so we now come to the uh, finale of our included podcast which is the fast five so um, we're going to fire those around the room and um, enjoy these pearls of wisdom uh, to take away with you into your week of people who are gender or sexuality diverse where do you find hope in the bible this is our first fast five question find hope in the bible that's not in the bible it's not an issue so let's move on (laughs) that's how i find it forget the six cover passages this isn't actually an issue so let's just move on that's me is that that quick enough yeah yeah very quick that's good jenny Mm. hope Um, i find it in the story of philip and the eunuch Philip True. never hesitates mm. there. You know, the eunuch was sexually diverse person. Yes. Um, and Philip doesn't hesitate. It's not a big deal. He just says, mm. of course you're included, pretty much. And yep. baptizes him straight away. Awesome. What about um, you, Jenny? Do you, do you answer it? Yep. Yeah, she did. Yep. Um, oh, I no, Christina. Yeah. Is it, yeah, yeah, I think for me it's the New Testament church opening to the Gentiles because that was... Uh-huh. That was so much more radical than we can imagine. Yes. And yet it was achievable. And so that reminds me that Christ welcomes, you know, and wants us mm. to welcome. So mm-hmm. I think that's the same, that's the thing for me. 
Um, so there's, look, there's lots of hope in the scriptures. So, um, Jenny, where is your hope um, in the church, which could be the Salvation Army or just more broadly? broadly but I guess the, yeah, the hope for me in the church is that we're actually talking about it. Like mm. 20 years ago, we weren't even talking about it. It didn't exist. Um, and when it did, it was illegal. In the Western world, that's not the case anymore. Mm. Um, and even in countries where it still is illegal and there are awful penalties, people are talking about it. Yep. Mm -hmm. People are speaking up. So I find great hope in the church because yeah. there are many churches who are being safe spaces for mm -hmm. um, gender diverse people. Yeah. I have. Yeah. And I have hope yeah. here. I think certainly some of our senior leadership, they're on our side. Thank God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Deb, where's yeah. your hope yeah. in the church or in the army? Yeah, look, I, I think I said across the broader church, like I said before with the Pride March, just the fact that there are churches out there not afraid to put this stamp on this and just are yeah. out there and saying, a bit like Jenny, it's like, what's, what's your problem? What, 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 what's the issue? <laughs> like, there's churches just out there. It's not a thing anymore. It's just not an issue. It's not a um, I just, I get great hope in that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think for me, the hope is probably in the testimony of the lived experiences of mm -hmm. LGBTQI yeah. people who are brave and kind mm. enough to stay connected to the church and yeah. um, where it's safe for them to do so. That's that's the hope I see because I can't ignore it or deny it. Like, you know, now that, mm -hmm. uh, now that we're all together, it's like this is just such a rich and wonderful um, reality. Yeah. So, yeah, so I like yeah. that. Obviously, the focus of this one has been about being a good ally, but just a one-line yeah. summary for you. Um, mm -hmm. Deb, what being a good ally mean to you? Yep, but I'm sticking with that, that catchphrase. It's about causing people to become more curious, not more resistant. That's Love my big thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and mine's um, sticking with mine too. Squeaky wheel, just yeah. never going to um, go away. I'm always yeah. a good thing squeaking away that's good and for me i think it is that not on my watch mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, when you have the opportunity to use your voice or your power or your influence um you should you should do that yeah. um so some quite important questions just to end up on this so uh, mm. Jenny, if you had one message for the salvation army um what would it be or for i guess our new general to come in um general buckingham what would that one message be? So this is very Salvation Army. Remember that we are the army of the whosoever. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I think if we are the army of the whosoever, everybody's included, the kingdom of God is open to all. Mm -hmm. um, so re remember that. Um, and, and if I could have to, the other would be to um, let's open the doors and let people sit around the table and talk mm -hmm. about this. Mm -hmm. Yep. Don't do it in high-level discussions in some remote country where the doors are yeah. closed. Let people yeah. openly express so that we can, you know, at least at least find middle ground if we can't get everybody yeah. out. Yeah. That's good. Deb? That's, that's my message, that one. Can we come out from behind the curtain, please? Can we take our heads out of the sand? Can we please have this discussion, in you know, out in the open? I'm grateful for senior leaders sending me private messages of 
keep going, but can you send me a public message? Let's bring it out in public. Let's not be afraid to say, I champion you, Deb, good on you for, you know, and and I have been encouraged by seeing some senior leaders present at like at the thing in Melbourne last year. You know, senior leaders went to that and oh my gosh, my spirit soared when I saw senior leaders publicly there endorsing. I don't know if they were keeping an eye on it, but I'm hoping they were, (laughs) by their presence, they were endorsing. That's right. Um, as you say, no secret meetings or under a undercover discussion. Let's just bring it out in the open and have the discussion. Yeah, no, that's good. I think be brave. Um, I had the same <laughs> ones. Uh, whosoever army, uh, mm, little mm. secret conversations often. Yeah. Let's be brave. And I just think um, this is an opportunity, maybe not internationally if that's difficult, but at least in territories uh, to co-design you know, to actually get everyone in the room. And let's just see where that takes us. We all love Mm -hmm. Jesus. We all love the army. So let's just see. I don't Mm. think it will be as scary as maybe people worry. You know, Jesus said, do not worry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And last of all, because this is the most important one, because this is about the people who are most um, deeply Mm. impacted. Uh, Deb, what's your message for LGBTQI people, people who are gender or sexuality diverse? What would your message be to them? It's a sticker that I've ordered from overseas. It hasn't arrived yet, but it simply says this, you matter more to me than our theology. You matter more than our theology. Yeah, that's my message. We're with you, we love you, and we you matter way more. It's a great you could sell those. Yes. <laughs> Jenny will buy one. Um, yeah, I will, I will. For every door in THQ. Jenny. Um, <laughs> what's your message? Um, my message is that uh, the kingdom of God is yours yeah. and you are loved. Yeah. And I think mine is if it is not too unsafe for you, then would you stay and help us? Yeah, that's good. Would you help us to make room and would you help us to bear fruit? Um, And thank you for your patience thus far. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yeah, Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So thank you. Thank you, ladies. It's been lovely to see you. Thank you. It's been fabulous conversation. Yeah. yeah, it's been great. And nice I think for, for me, I, I just love um, being able to have the discussion. Like I said, I don't go out of my way, but when I'm invited into these spaces, oh, it's just, it's this isn't a chore. This isn't work. This is really, really yeah. refreshing. Really, yeah, really cool. Yeah. 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 No, I think, thank you so much.